0: He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth in every mine. He owns the rivers and the rocks and rills, the sun and stars that shine. Wonderful riches more than tongue can tell. He is my father's so other mine as well. He owns the cattle on a thousand. Take your Bibles to the book of the Old Testament. The book of the Old Testament. We're going to go all 39 books this morning. We're going to go to the book of Jonah. Book of Jonah, minor prophets. And the last part of the Old Testament are 12 minor prophets. Now, when I get to heaven, I'm not calling them minor. You can call them minor if you want to, but they made the book. Their writing made the book. They're not long books, but they're and they're not really minor compared to maybe Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel. They they have shorter ministry writing ministries, but they're major. Everybody that writes in the Bible is major, inspired of the Holy Spirit. And so, in in Jonah chapter one verse three, it's just one verse, and and I'm going to go to verse ten. So I guess two verses. Verse uh, 3 and verse 10. And Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now that's the part I want you to emphasize. You may want to underline color or whatever you do in your Bible. From the presence of the Lord. And went down to Joppa. I've been in Joppa, by the way. I've been, walked around in Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it and to go with them unto Tarshish. And I, I want you to mark or... Know at least in your Bibles from the presence of the Lord. So two times in that verse, from the presence of the Lord is mentioned, and in verse ten, if you skip down there, there were men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? This a storm had come up. Jonah had gotten in there, and a storm had come up. He was fleeing from God, but not just fleeing from God. But it's interesting. It says he's fleeing from the presence of God. Well, and and they find that out. For the men knew that he fled, and you may want to mark in your Bible again, from the presence of the Lord, behold, he had told them. I want to talk to you this morning about the manifest presence of God. The manifest revealed, that's what manifest means, means to make known, presence of God. The presence of the Lord makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. It's interesting to note that Jonah fled from the presence of God. Now, I would think that if you told me that the presence of God was a Gospel Baptist, you'd, you'd be attracted to that. It wasn't attractive to Jonah. It wasn't attractive to Jonah at all. Three times in two verses, the Bible says he fled from the presence of the Lord. Uh, Adam and Eve, after they sinned, the Bible says in verse 3 of chapter 8, And they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Now, you would think that if God was going to meet you somewhere and you had a predetermined place to meet, that you'd want to be there. Come on, people, wouldn't you? You'd want to be there. God says, I'll tell you what, I'm going to meet you at this particular place every day. You come, I'll be there. When sin came in Adam and Eve, what happened? They didn't want the presence of the Lord anymore. It was repulsive to them. they actually hid themselves among the trees of the garden. You remember Cain, right? Adam said to Eve, We're going to have Cain as soon as we have as soon as we get able I had to say it. I wouldn't have felt good. Cain, how privileged was it to be Cain? Ooh, mom and dad, Adam and Eve. Mom and dad walked with God. Mom and dad knew God. Mom and dad directly made by God. First parents. The first kids of God were Adam and Eve, and then they propagated from Adam and Eve. And you have Cain. Cain of course, murdered his brother Abel. He was jealous that God honored Abel's sacrifice and did not honor his sacrifice, though he knew what God wanted, just didn't want to do it. You could say Cain was willful, and that's why he left the presence of the Lord. You could say Jonah was willful, that's why he left the presence of the Lord. You could say Adam and Eve were willful because that's why they left the presence of the Lord. Ooh, there's a pattern. I love patterns. Satan Created by God, probably the most beautiful thing God ever created was Satan. It seems like from the Bible that he had the gift of of music. And it also looks from the Bible that he was really, 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 really wonderful to look upon. That he was almost the essence of beauty. He got caught up. And the Bible says pride, the sin of the devil. And he fell. And when he fell, he didn't want any part of God. And he's been doing everything he could. In fact, not only does he not want any part of God, not only does he not want to manifest presence of God, he's doing everything he can to destroy God. I believe hell, in part, is a separation from the manifest presence of God. Because of willfulness. It's been said people go well, people will go to hell, but they won't go to hell without walking over Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. God has put many barriers between you and hell. He's put nature between you and hell. He says the heaven's declared the glory of God, the firmament showeth forth his handwork. Nature cries out, There's a God, and you're going to answer to him. Your conscience is a barrier between you and hell. Your conscience tells you when you do wrong, it goes. Eh, eh, eh. Conscience is like a twisting. Eh, eh. And it tells you it can be a conscience can be corrupted. A conscience can be defiled. The conscience isn't always right after a while. But early on, the conscience is pretty accurate. When the three-year-old, four-year-old takes a cookie he's been told not to take, pretty straightforward, he knows he's doing wrong. Why, otherwise, why does he go like this? You may feel uncomfortable in the presence, the manifest presence of God, as these people have. I've had people come in this church and we sing the songs of Zion, preach out of the Bible, and that's just it's just for it's just as a horror to them. It just makes them uncomfortable, makes them want to run, makes them want to leave. Sometimes they get up during the service and leave. They don't leave because they're happy. They don't leave because they're... Now look, if you've got to go to the bathroom, I'm not going to accuse you of of hating what's going on here. So just take it easy. But I'm just saying, there have been cases in that happen, And so they leave. Israel. Israel left the very presence of God. What was the whole thing about Israel was, God said, Abraham, I'm going to make of you a great nation, and that nation is going to be my testimony to the world. I'm, my presence is going to be with you and your seed. And of course, he had you know Isaac, Jacob. Jacob had twelve sons. Twelve sons had a lot of kids. Made twelve tribes. Made millions eventually of Israel. Now Israel was given the privilege of having God as their king. I mean, literally theocracy. God as their king. And so, who wouldn't like that? Who wouldn't like a nation where you had God as your king and? To find out what God wanted, you they would go to the priest. The priest would go to God, and God would tell them, especially the high priest, Aaron and his sons. And then those people would say, "Well, if they had any trouble with law interpretation, God would come to the priest, and the priest would help interpret the law situation and make law and order. And There was law and order, and God was the head of the whole thing. It was beautiful. You'd think that'd be beautiful. Give us a king like the other nations, was their cry. Therein, if I may say like Shakespeare, was the rub. Let us be like other nations. The brand mark of Israel was that they were supposed to be a people specifically separated to God. And to be separated to God was understood that they would be separated from the world that their distinction would be that the manifest presence of God would make them different from the world. It would make them different from all of the other inhabitants of the world. Israel was different. Whoa, were they different. God ordained and chose them and pulled them out of Egypt, which anywhere in the Bible is a type of the world. He gave them things that would set them apart from all other nations. Uh, There was nothing super special about circumcision other than God said, you as my people are going to be circumcised. Your men are going to be circumcised and none of the other worldlings are going to be circumcised. Only my people are going to be circumcised. There was nothing holy. Some people try to make it a good health habit, a better way to have babies and all this other stuff. That is not what God did that for. God did that because he wanted his people to be different than the other Nations. Because why? He was present among them. He gave them the Sabbath five times. In the Old Testament it says the Sabbath, I give us a sign between you and me. The rest of the world was doing their thing. But Israel had the Sabbath. He gave them dietary laws. And let's just let's all of us Gentiles say strange dietary laws. No lobster. Blah, 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 blah. No snails. No escargot. No, no, no. Wait a minute. This is going to get you hillbillies. No catfish. No no channel cats. I'm growing channel cats at my house. I got about probably 100 channel cats at my house. Some of them like this. That's my hurricane insurance. <laughs> and that uh, ain't nothing better than an old catfish, brother. Fresh catfish, not a mud old. I mean, all nice, clean water catfish, filleted out, buttered, and have Carla Morris cook it. You notice I didn't say Kathy Lighttail because Carla Morris is just a better cook. There's just no doubt. It is what it is, and my wife wants to eat her food. And Carter Morris had us over for my catfish that I raised up and man, that was some finger-licking good catfish. But it's not kosher. Not for the old children of Israel, was it? He didn't give those dietary laws so they'd have healthier lives. Quit it. Quit it. He didn't tell them not to eat pork because pork was bad. It makes it clear in the New Testament that God's made everything for us to enjoy. And he even said, you can eat anything now. He tells Peter in Acts, when he he takes that net full of creeping things and all manner, kill and eat, Peter. He says, whoa. I've never had one unclean piece of food in my mouth. He says, don't you call the unclean what I have cleansed. So this afternoon, go out and have some lobster. Have some good old swine. He gave worship ordinances. They were real. Cha- that was. I mean, no, the world had nothing like the worship ordinances. Uh, even God gave Israel. Even the way they looked was strange. Told don't, don't don't shave your beard. The corners don't round the corners. In other words, when you grow a beard. I'm just going to say this as an old Gentile. That is ugly. God did not give the, the 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 instructions for the way they looked so that they would be the prettiest people on earth, but He wanted them to be different than all the other nations when they walked in a when they walked. When they walked in a service, but he wanted them to be—he didn't want—he wanted to know that that was hey, that's a, that's a, right now the Orthodox Jew. There's a, there's an Orthodox there's a um, little place up here is an Orthodox Jew, Jewish folks meet, and you can see them walking down the road. They got that square beard, and they wear look, and, and Their clothes were given to them a specific way. All of that was for this reason. Turn to Exodus chapter 19. Exodus 19, 5 and 6. This is why God did all that. Quit trying to read into it. He's trying to give them this super diet so they can be healthy. Or this super this or super that. There was, there was a reason it was made clear in the Bible why he did it. In verse 5 of chapter 19, Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure. Unto me. Above what? All the rest of the Gentiles. All people, for the earth is mine. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be unto me a what? Kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Holy means special. Different. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And then if you go to chapter 14, back to 14, You may not, but let me read it again. In chapter 14 of Deuteronomy, excuse me, different book. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verses 2 and 3. If you can't read my mind, I understand. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God, and the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself, above all nations that are upon the earth. Thou shalt not eat any abominable thing. Now, abominable was because he told them not to do it. If they did it when he told them not to do it, it was an abomination to them. Abomination means something detestable, something you shouldn't do. We know, and as I say again, in the New Testament, we born-again Bible believers can eat anything that, wiggles or crawls. And all the men said. By the way, he called the children of Israel to be separate from the world so he could be manifest among them. His manifest presence would be among them. If they would obey him and all of these things and other things, then, then he said, if you'll be separate from the world this way, and you'll be my people, my peculiar people, and the world's gonna name you peculiar. Your beer is gonna be peculiar, your dress is gonna be peculiar, your food's gonna be peculiar, your way of worshiping is gonna be peculiar, all of their Sabbath day of worship is gonna be peculiar. To the Gentiles, you're just gonna stand out. He says, and then tell them that you represent the God of all the earth. But you're different from them. I'm going somewhere. He, by the way, called the church to be the same thing. In Titus 2.14, it says, Who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself peculiar people, zealous of good works. So God hasn't changed. He says in 1 Peter 2.9, it says, But you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Does this sound familiar? A holy nation, a peculiar people. That's almost a quote that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Our special position and, and, and place are, of our power and our future hope is in the manifest presence of God. Without the manifest presence of God, we will fail miserably. We will dwindle and shrivel. We will become anemic and weak because we must have the manifest presence of God to prosper spiritually. What happened is what happened to Israel? The Bible says two times in the New Testament to look at the Old Testament. It says, in, I think it's in 1 Corinthians and in Romans, it says, look at the old, look back and learn by looking back. Now, some of you don't like to read the Old Testament because some of us are strange to you and everything. But I'm going to tell you, the Bible in the New Testament says twice that read the Old Testament. I just trust God you know I just trust I'm just gonna read it. so you read the Old Testament and you see the mistakes those folks made and you can hopefully I'm the baby of three had my mom had my dad had three boys I'm the baby I watched my brother my oldest brother go crazy I watched my middle brother not go quite so crazy but he went some crazy And then I came up and said, you know, that would be stupid to do what they did. I tried to learn from them. I didn't learn well, but I tried to learn from them. And this is what God says. God says, go back and look at Israel. I chose them to be my people. I manifest my presence among them, which is my power. I gave them this opportunity, and all I asked them to be was different than the world. They didn't do it. He said, give us a king like the rest of the world's God. We want to eat what they eat. We want to to look like they look. We want to listen to their music. We We want to play like they play. We want to do. We want to have this. And they would intermingle with the world. They would intermarry and intermingle and compromise their distinction. And in the degree that those folks compromise their distinction, they lost the manifest presence of God. And it's the same true with us. It's true the same. Satan has used every possible weapon he has in his arsenal to to erase the line of demarcation between Israel and the world and between the church and the world. Because he knows if he can get us to go into the world and to race the line of difference between us and the world, that God's presence will be quenched and grieved, and his manifest presence will pull back away from us. And indeed, if I may say like Jonah, we will not be comfortable in his presence. He wanted to destroy their peculiar relationship with God and offend the presence of God, because there lay the secret of their success, there lay the secret of their power, there lay the secret of their victory, and they lost this distinction. It started out; he infiltrated them, and they began to they infiltrated them with, with the things of the world. Then they began to tolerate the things of the world. Then they began to accommodate the things of the world and became contaminated by the things of the world and eventually they capitulated to the things of the world. What we call apostasy. And what's crazy about the people of God when they reject Him, they actually become worse in the world. They don't stop where the world is. They get worse than the world. And that's not some old red-faced Baptist preacher's opinion. I'll show it. Second Kings chapter 21 11. Manasseh. It said because Manasseh king of Judah had done these abominations and had done wickedly above all that the Amorites did. The Amorites were one of those seven nations that God destroyed because they became so wicked he couldn't stand them anymore and he drove them out and let Israel take their land through Joshua. The Amorites was one of them. He said, Manasseh wasn't just content to be like the world, but because he left the very presence of God and all the privilege that went with that, he actually outran them, began to do things that, yea, had not even come into God's imagination. Hmm. 2 Chronicles 36, 14 says, Moreover, all the chief priests and the people transgressed very much after all the abominations of the heathen and polluted the house of the Lord, which he had hallowed. That means set apart in Jerusalem. God's desire for you and me is to be a peculiar treasure. Not to be like the world, not to smell like them, act like them, walk like them, talk like them. No, not to see how close you can get to them. Second Corinthians 6.17 New Testament says it this way, Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing and I'll receive you. First John says it this way, 2.15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Revelation chapter 18 verse 4 says it this way. In the tribulation period there are people that are saved, and here's his warning to them. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that you receive not her plagues. What is the difference between the manifest presence of God and not having it? Well, I can tell you this: the difference is dramatic. Unlikely things happen when the presence of God is there. Let me give you some examples. When the presence of God is is there, an axle swim. When the presence of God is where. Is there a little lad, or fellow giant? When the presence of God is manifest, the foolish confound the wise. The weak subdue the mighty. Things that are not bring to nothing the things that are. The persecuted prosper. The minority is invincible. One man turns the whole world upside down. A lion's den becomes the safest place in town. A sordid, rat-filled prison becomes a sanctuary of praise when the manifest presence of God is there. What makes this happen? God's presence. God's presence changes everything. His presence among the hungry throngs changed their want into satisfaction. His presence in a storm-tossed boat spelled peace and calm for the troubled sailors. His presence at Nain dried the tears of a widow grieving over her dead son and resurrected him. His presence among the ten lepers gave new life and skin like a supple as a baby's. His presence at Lazarus' grave <laughs> changed the day from sorrow to gladness. His presence in the Isle of Patmos, where John unveiled the very future that was to come. His, va- his presence among the blind gave sight. His presence among the lame caused him to leap like a heart. His presence among an old drunk will make him a sober, responsible citizen. How many times i have seen that? His presence among a drug addict will make him an honest man. His presence among greedy money grubbers will make them generous, honest men. His presence among whorish women will make them a virtuous woman. We must have the presence of God in our life. How preacher? Thank you for asking. Don't make number 1, do not make the mistake Israel made. The devil knows that if he can get the church of Jesus Christ to go back into the world from what they were from whence they were saved from, that they will lose this manifest presence of God because of the quenching and grieving of his spirit. And just like the children of Israel lost his manifest presence and failed, so will the children of God in the New Testament lose his presence and fail. And so you would, it makes make sense to me that the devil throws everything he's got at us to try to get us to go back in the world in a hundred different directions. I think it is Galatians 1.4 that the very purpose of Christ was to deliver us from this present evil world. I think it's Galatians 1.4. The very purpose of the gospel was to deliver us from that stuff you were saved out of. Of course all of you will be here tonight. Of course you won't choose some cheap football game over God's house and the singing of the songs of Zion and the preaching of the Bible and the fellowship of God. You won't be like Cain and run out of the garden to your TV. You didn't know they had TV back in his day, did you? not go back into the world. Do not erase the line of demarcation between you and the world. Do not listen to their music. This is common sense. This is horse sense, which is stable thinking. Don't enjoy their wicked forms of entertainment. Don't do business like they do. Don't commit the sins that they do. Make God's presence in your life a priority. Seek it with all your heart. Don't do anything without him. Ask him for wisdom in every decision you make. Be honest before him that if he leads you in a way that's contrary to what you want, you'll do it his way. Be sensitive to the blessed Holy Spirit. Be in the Word of God. Ninety-five percent of what God wants us to know is already written it down. Said so this, do this, follow it. Be in the Word of God. Obey what you read. Well, that's good. You know, you read it. Don't sing. Where He leads me, I will follow. If you can't sing the last verse, what He feeds me, I will swallow. You didn't, You never sang that last verse on that song. That's down there in a small print. Oh, we Christians, where he leaves me out from. God says, I want you to drop this out of your life. You go, oh, not that. What's God trying to do for you? He's trying to help you to be holy. Holy Is separated from the world to the place where he can come and work with you and among you and bless you and help you if you're going to survive as a born-again Christian with God's blessing you cannot look like smell like walk like act like the the I'm not talking about the birds and the bees and the sunsets and the trees and all that I'm not talking about that I'm talking about the philosophy of this world the lusts of the flesh the lusts of the eyes The pride of life. Not of the world. You don't want to be like them. We have been bought with a price. We're not our own. We're supposed to glorify God in our bodies and our spirits. Right? I'm not speaking new things. No strange things this morning. And consequently, we will be different than them. Have you ever asked yourself this question? Why does the liberal left hate us so much? What do we want for America that is so horrible? We want law and order. We want to be able to walk in our park, our parks at night without fear of being robbed, raped, or attacked. We want to treat each other with respect and dignity and honesty and integrity and to do unto others as we'd have them do unto us. That's called the the golden rule, Matthew 7, 12. I mean, we want to be honest in our dealing. Well, what is so what it I'm gonna tell you what it is, it's the spirit difference. My my cousin was just so upset with me, and he's such a raving liberal. He just calls me names right and left. He calls me stuff I gotta look up in a dictionary to figure out what it is. I got so many phobias. Xenophobia. I don't know if that was like the alien phobia. He hates me beyond explanation. I keep telling him, quit calling me names. We can't, we can't talk with you. you. keep calling me names. You got to quit calling me names. He, he, it's the Spirit. The world feels threatened by us. They, they feel, why? Because wherever God comes un, um, among them, they, like Jonah, want to flee. The worst nightmare for them would be to have a Christian Bible-based nation. That is their worst nightmare. Fear why? Because they're the world. See, you can't you can't really define it with ink and pen. It's a spirit thing. The spirit of the world is contrary to the spirit of God. And how it upsets God when we've been saved out of the world, delivered out of this present evil world, that we as a born-again Christian begin to look back at those things we were saved from with admiration. We begin to look back at those things and begin to even participate in some of those things that we were saved out of. How that must insult the God who has saved us from His wrath and put us under the blood of His precious Son. I say, God forbid that you that have been saved from sin should walk any longer in it. God forbid. Father, help us this morning. We pray that the Spirit of the living God may explain this better than I have. Pray, Father, that you would help your people understand one of the major reasons they've been redeemed not to walk in the old lusts of the flesh, but to walk in the Spirit. Father, forgive us where we have grieved Your Spirit, where we have quenched Your Spirit, where we like Cain, or we like Adam and Eve, or we like Jonah, have fled from Your presence, where we've been uncomfortable your presence to the place who wanted to leave. Father, help us. This morning, help some folks here. Help folks over the internet. They may be seeking you. The Bible says, if you'll seek me, you'll find me. If you seek me with all your heart. May Lord God you help them find you. Do a work among us even now. There may be some folks in this room, they're out there in the world, man. They're in the world. They know it. But you claim to be a child of God. Do you want to fail as miserably as Israel failed? I hope you don't. Repent. Repent. And come back. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com,